and at first I said, okay, I'm going to give this six months. And then he said, I'd give it a year. Like, it was like mid sentence. I'm thinking six months. He said, I'd give it a year. Like, <laughs> all right, this guy's got 300 million. I'm broke. <laughs> I'm going to give it a year. I'll give it a year. <laughs> and just put your head down and hard work and don't, don't question everything just because you have a policy cancel or, you know, all the struggles you go through, you have a recruit that quits. You gave it a year. No matter what the result was, you gave it a year. You committed mm. to the activity for a year. So that's, that's an important thing. What is up? Welcome back to the CA Power Player Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Askins, and today we have another special guest in office. You guys know I love the energy and the conversation that comes from having someone in office. And I do got to admit, I've been following this guy for years, crazy impressed at what he has built. And I'm excited to share his story and his journey today um, with, from the Smith Master Agency, traveled up from f- just shy of Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, had did $28 million in premium last year. He's got six managers direct to the company, 40 agency owners, building a massive organization, and a really creative, smart dude that I've been wanting to spend some time with. So please welcome Mr. Brad Smith. Man, I appreciate that. What an intro. I've been following you for years, too, and it's been Thanks, way too long. Uh, True. Uh, very humbling to hear that introduction. I can't take too much credit for it. I've got some really good people that have a lot of them have been on your your show, Amen. and great mentorship. Edward Pritchett being my direct mentor and mm-hmm. uh, owners of Symmetry. So yeah, and, 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 and you know what? How important is that, dude? Like if you because here here's what's cool. I was in Cabo for those. I'll just tell the story for those who don't know. I was in Cabo, and we were doing our power player event. Well, I heard that Symmetry was having like their. It's not a conference, but it's like a it's annual trip. Annual trip. Incentive trip. Yeah, half a mile down the beach. And I'm like, are you kidding me? How, what's, what's the odds? Like, I didn't even know literally till the week of. Because then I'm seeing Edward and Nate and everybody's going to Cabo. I'm like, dude, where are you staying? <laughs> I'm like, what? So I look it up really close. So I was texting Nate, talking to Edward. And finally, I was like, okay, I'm going to go crash the party, I guess, and at least say hello. I felt, felt bad not doing that. And then, dude, then we get to meet. Um, Edward introduces us. And he also introduces um, Casey. Yep. Uh, one of the owners of Cemetery, like, and then we walk around the whole pool. Like, dude, it was one of the coolest things ever. You yeah, know? it was awesome. Yeah. Finally got to meet. Yes, so good to meet you. I also want to add too that, like, um, for those that watch this, well, dude, we've had a bunch of people from Cemetery on our um, podcast, and you know what I love and respect probably the most is the culture that y'all have built. Um, I'm sure there are other people in the industry that are like, eh, Dude, you don't, you don't, that's, you don't need all that stuff, man. You know what I mean? But dude, I I view you guys as more of like a personal development company that happens to sell insurance. Absolutely. That cares a ton about their people. Yeah. And dude, what's not to love, man? You know, so that's cool. I mean, I think cultures, it's huge. Um, It's the glue to me that keeps the team around because there's struggle in this business. You know, the first six months can be tough and people, people come here for the money. They stay with the culture. Mm. So... I think it's a very important part of the business. It is, man. Because if you don't, like, people will leave and go somewhere else. And there's a, there's too much of that happening in the industry anyway, you know? Like, I love that a lot of people that y'all recruit aren't from the industry. You know what I mean? You're bring A lot of times you're bringing them in, um, which is which is great, too, because it's, like, it's such a special industry. More people need to know about it. More people need to be in it. You know, it's crazy. Um, so for those who don't know your story, buddy, I'd love to kind of dive into that. Um, yeah. Where are you originally from? How'd you grow up? What was that home life look like, you know, leading into like school, college, career, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, man, I came from a great family. Parents who, um, good Christian family that, uh, same. Yeah, that, uh, you know, grew up knowing I'm loved and cared for. And my dad was a doctor, grandpa was a doctor, uncle was a doctor, my mom was a nurse practitioner. Wow. Uh, my wife's a nurse practitioner. Like everybody in the family was medicine. So growing up, that's just what I assumed. I would do. So we mm. were, my brother and I were pre-med, uh, identical twin, and we did everything together. And so we were pre-med and decided at the, at the end of college that we probably weren't smart enough to go, <laughs> to go that route. Yeah. Um, we got pretty average grades and um, average at a lot of things. And, uh, but I was inspired by my, my, my grandpa. Um, both sides, but my, my mom's dad was the only entrepreneur in our entire family history. Mm. 
And he was just the example. You probably have somebody in your life that you look at as a hero. And he was my hero. He was the, the guy that grew up um, in West Virginia with a dirt floor and went to the military and just figured out how to become, uh, you know, how to add value to a market mm. and built a business. And I just watched him, never knew that he was wealthy until really until after he passed away. He built half the school I grew up in, half the church that we went to. He was just the best wow. father and husband and grandfather and community member. And I just remember thinking, I want to be like him when I grow up. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, after deciding that medical school wasn't the route for me. <laughs> <laughs> what, what brought you to that conclusion? Really, it was our grades. We just didn't do that <laughs> great. It's like I had to study so much harder than other people Tell just to get that. a B yeah. in, you know, the science classes in college. And I didn't, I didn't love it. Mm. Um, you know, we started a business in college, ended up getting the... I don't know what you call it, Entrepreneur of the Year Award or something. And we started building a business. And in our senior year, we made 92000 This is 20-something years ago. Let's we're go. just like, man, what was I the love business? this. It was a, a network marketing, multi-level marketing That's cool. business. I hadn't Dude. ever heard of it. Didn't know the stigmas around it. Just thought, man, I get sure. to recruit my friends and make money together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So It's funny you share that. Uh, one of my buddies and I started a office cleaning business called slam dunk cleaning yeah we were freshmen in college because i was like dude i gotta do something man you know? yeah it's just uh, in your yeah. blood you know yeah. it's just who yeah. you are it's part of your identity that you want to create and build something valuable and watch it grow and correct so out of college we didn't know what we wanted to do so we started of all things a mattress business we <laughs> why, why mattresses a friend of ours like everybody's gonna have one <laughs> well a friend of ours was making a six-figure income uh selling mattresses Back then, out of the classifieds, he'd wow. buy some new mattresses, put them in a storage unit, take phone calls, and we are just like, we could do this for a little bit until we figure out what we really want to do, yeah. and ended up growing that into a $5 million a year business, and awesome. got online, got on the internet, started selling memory foam mattresses on the internet when no one else was. Mm. We figured out how to package these mat. We built some equipment out of farm equipment and figured out how to compress these mattresses and vacuum seal them and roll them up and FedEx them to somebody's house. And uh, now that's a normal practice. It is a normal practice now. Yeah, it was kind of risky back then. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) it could unfold. (laughs) What's going to happen here? But um, yeah, then then 2008 happened and went into a tailspin. We we held on until 2012, went from being debt free and making a good income, uh, really having certainty about our future, knowing exactly where we were going and how we're going to get there Mm. to losing everything. And we took on a bunch of debt, bank loans, credit cards, maxed out everything, you know, thinking failure is not an option. We were probably a little too optimistic. Yeah. And unfortunately, our parents had co-signed those loans. So when we shut the doors, we didn't know what we were going to do. And it was about a year that had passed. We were about $285,000 in debt at that point with nothing to show for. So I get people to come in this industry that say, I've got so much debt. I've got $15,000 of credit card debt. Try 285. Yeah. Of just it's bank loans. Yeah. it's And, you know, at that point, we went a year after that business closed before we found the insurance industry. And anyone that's watching can probably relate if you've, if you've been so broke that you, you don't really know a way out. Yeah. And I remember, you know, last thought before going to bed is, how am I going to pay my electric bill? And I wake up at 2 in the morning to stare at the ceiling. It's just this pit that just sits here mm. that will not go away. It's this pressure. And it stayed there for like, I remember a couple of years. And I was just so beyond frustrated because, you know, you grew up with a certain image of who you are going to be and who you are meant to be, who you were created to be. Mm. And then your circumstances are so far off from that. Mm-hmm. You have like this identity crisis. And I remember coming into to this business, Symmetry, in uh, the insurance industry, a friend of mine had called me. As bad as things were... <laughs> I'm literally sleeping in the guest bedroom. I don't know. I'm going to pay my bills. I'm not making any money. Yeah. And, and he calls me and says, Hey, I found something I think you'd be really good at. And I was like, Oh man, I, I appreciate you thinking about me. What is it? And he said, it's, it's insurance. And I said, Doug, things are bad, but they're not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't know, I didn't know what this industry had to offer. I didn't know yes. the impact that it can have on people and the kind of money that you can make. And so that was kind of the situation 
uh, that we are in coming to this business. I had $142 in my checking account, maxed out on every credit card. Ow! $142 in your checking account, $285 in debt. Yep. Dang. That's crazy. That's scary. Very scary. Very scary. And uh, it's it's almost to a point, like, I'm doing the math. I'm applying for jobs. And I'm like, it's going to take me 30 years just to get to zero. Like, I'm 34 years old with a one-year-old and a five-year-old. Yeah. You know, and but that's what we're taught growing up, that you go to school, you get good grades, you go go get a job. And 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 I I learned that's not that's not what I want. Mm. Like, like I, I grew up being average. Yeah. But I realized kind of around college that average people don't have the lifestyle that I want. <laughs> they don't make the income. They don't yeah. end up where I want to end up. And and so uh, I had to look at. Uh, different vehicles that weren't average and I had to start stop mm. listening to to average people giving me advice and so I looked at this industry and I realized that man these guys have what I want yeah they have the lifestyle that I want they're, they make the income that I want to make they 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 don't trade all their time for the money they're making and they 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 have purpose they look happy that was the thing I noticed when I walked in that office to interview yeah it's like man they're smiling yeah they're actually enjoying what they do that's cool and so it was just kind of a, um, Matt and I went to our first corporate overview to see that, kind of skeptical. And mm-hmm. we interviewed about 15, as much as they were interviewing us, we were interviewing them too. Like trying yeah. to figure out, what, what do you do? Do you like it? Mm. Are you successful? And I remember um, the worst guy in the room, part-time, made $800 that last week. And the best guy made 19000 And average was like three to 4000 a month. So... We left and we're just like, man, we've got to do this. This like, yeah. I'm just tired of doing things halfway in my life. I'm ready to, to, to jump into something and hmm. create a career, you know? And so that's where it yeah. all started. That's crazy. What year was that? 2013. It's been 10 oh, years. Dude, that's amazing. When was your 10 year anniversary? What month? March. End of March. That's awesome, dude. Congrats. Yeah. That's man, so cool. So cool. Uh, I love some of the stuff you're sharing. I mean, you said what I was thinking of is, um, how fortunate we were to grow up in um, like good Christian homes yeah. with amazing parents. Just yeah. um, so cool. So grateful. Yeah. Also, um, and I think it gave me a lot of like confidence and a, and a huge leg up in, in life in general. You know, um, I'm definitely not one of the smartest people in my family either. Um, my grandpa was not necessarily an entrepreneur. Um, um, and my dad would be my hero. However, I can relate in a big way because my grandpa um, was a Baptist pastor for 40-something years. And that's why that's where my drive to speak comes from. Mm. And it was watching him as a kid. I remember being like 10 years old thinking, I don't know if I want to pastor a church, but man, I want to speak when I grow up, you know? And so now, any chance I get, I do because I just have a huge passion for it. Like if I could do that just every day somewhere, that's what I would do. You know, like it fills me up. It's crazy. 100%. And I think... It- to me, it, it's not even about the vehicle. It's about what it does. It impacts people. You Amen. probably saw the impact that he had on so many people. 100%. And that's what I saw, too. I just wanted to make a difference. I wanted to, yeah. to impact people in a positive way. And I remember Edward asked me, uh, what are you looking for? Mm. And I had had a year pass before between when we closed the business down and in this new direction. And it's interesting. Um, Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich says that 19 out of 20 people don't know where they're going. So we're all running in life. We're all running either from something or to something. And wow. most people are running away from something. They have no idea what they're not chasing anything. Mm. And in the interview, I said, I'm looking for three things. One is I want to be passionate about what I, what I do. I want to feel like I have purpose That's because good. that you've done things in your life where you don't need an alarm clock to get out of bed. You just can't wait to get to work. hundred percent. And I wanted that. I had had it before. I wanted it again. The second thing is I want to make a difference for people. I mm. want to help people some way or another. I want to make a difference because they go hand in hand, in my opinion. Hey, man. And um, so that was a really big deal to me. I want to find something where I can actually make a difference. I don't want to just clock in and clock out somewhere. Mm. And the third thing is I want to make a lot of money doing those things. <laughs> and yeah. uh, he was like, welcome to this industry. You found <laughs> yeah. a home. <laughs> welcome to the industry with the most millionaires in the world. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So That's yeah. amazing. What a cool... Was that the first... like? Was that the person that like one of the first people you met in the business? Was oh, that yeah. Edward oh, he Pritchett? Was. He was the one I was introduced to. Yeah. 
How crazy is that? Dude? Yeah, like, I sat in that room and it was Edward Pritchett, Brian Delaney. There's a few other people that are still around. Oh, Brian Delaney's amazing too. Super yep. impressive. That's crazy, dude. Think yeah. about that. Oh man, yeah. I mean, think about the amount of people that, and there's going to be people listening right now. They're going to like, bro, I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't introduced to an Edward Pritchett. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't an Edward Pritchett back then. I mean, I, I still looked at him the exact same. He sure. was like way on a pedestal to me. He was he was doing about three hundred thousand a month in annual premium okay. as an agency. Okay. And now I think he's like six million a month. <laughs> Something crazy. Ridiculous. It's like twenty x. Yeah. Yeah. So. Dang. Yeah. How, how uh, he was? This was ten years ago. Ten years ago. I don't even know how old he is, but I was. Yeah. How old are you? Forty four. Forty four. I think he's forty or forty one now. Forty. So he was like 30, 31 years old back then. He just turned thirty. Wow. Yeah, I came to this business, and. He was getting married, and he went on a three-week honeymoon to Belize. Like, the month I got started, my mentor is in Belize, where there's no cell phone service. And in three weeks, he made more in those three weeks than he'd ever made in a three-week period. And I said, this is the business for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's the lifestyle I want. I want to be able to make that kind of money and not trade all my time for it. I want to be able to learn leverage and build a business that pays me. Amen. So, yeah. <laughs> when did you, is there, is there a point in time in your life, maybe growing up where you were like, um, I'm, I want more out of life, you oh. know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, high school, I remember thinking kind of along those lines that I didn't want to just be average. Yeah. Um, college, I started kind of forming like, what do I want to do as a career? And and, um, and then you figured out it wasn't pre it wasn't pre-med it wasn't, wasn't pre-med <laughs> yeah and then I, I read a couple of Ro- uh, Robert Kiyosaki's books yeah. the first one Rich Dad Poor Dad mm-hmm. kind of started to get my mind around you know another way and then Cashflow Quadrant was the next one and that mm. just completely shifted the way I thought about making money it's a great book it's a great book and it if you don't understand the four categories of making an income how are you mm-hmm. going to be able to make more money if you don't understand the four and so I, I was growing up, it was always the left-hand side of the quadrant, the employee side mm-hmm. or the quadrant or the, or the self-employed quadrant. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, man, I'd rather be self-employed than employed. Well, they're still on the left-hand side of the quadrant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the book says 95% of Americans earn an income on the left-hand side of the quadrant, but only 5% of the wealth is made on that side. And wow. I was like, well, Sorry. so, wow. so the crazy. right-hand side, business owner and investor, yeah. 95% of the wealth is made on that side, but only 5% are playing in that sandbox. Mm. How do I get over there? And, and I, I read in this book that it's one word. One word defines the difference, and it's leverage. Wow. On the left, you're trading time for money. And so if, you're, if your goal in, in the lifestyle that you're chasing, I didn't come to this industry just for the money because lifestyle also has a time component. Yeah. So if my goal is to have both time and money, and I knew there were people out there in life that had both. I watched mm. people, whether it was on TV or I read about them, there were people who had both. And, but you can't have one if you're, tra- you can't have both if you're trading one for the other. And so I, I realized that I'm going to have to learn leverage. And like I said, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill talks about, you know, this is a book I think everybody in school should have to read. I agree with you. Everybody should have to read it. Uh, Dale Carnegie, wealthiest person on earth at that point, mm-hmm. told him, go research the top 500 wealthiest people in the world and see what they have in common. It took him 20 years. It's crazy. And it all boiled down to they have leverage. They use OPM, other people's money, other people's ideas, other people's efforts. They ignore OPO, other people's opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Which we do, most people don't ignore. Yeah, and these are people we care about. We want to make mm-hmm. them happy and... And sure. uh, so I knew that I had to find people. I'm not going to learn how to be, how to create wealth in that way yeah. from school because you can't teach somebody how to do something you've never done before. You have to seek yeah. people out that have created that and, and, and created that lifestyle and who are willing to teach you how to do it. And so we were coming out of college. We thought, oh, we're going to build a business, this mattress business. And, but the problem was most of us learn the most valuable lessons in life by making mistakes. And we were out of time. Mm. Like, I didn't have time to keep making mistakes. And I realized that I don't have to learn everything by making my own mistakes. I can learn by your mistakes. I sure. can learn by watching you. And I can sit down and take advice from you. And, and the, the problem with 
the industry I was in before is that the only people who are better than me were my competition, mm. and they're not gonna they're not gonna teach me. Corporate America, the only people better than you are the people above you. They're not going to teach you everything they know. Mm-mm. They don't want you to take their job. True. So this industry is just, mm. it is absolutely unbelievable for that reason. Yeah. That you can, you can come into this industry and start in the self-employed quadrant. Mm. And you can make six figures just like you did in your first year. Yeah. And you can take time to learn, to grow, and to become better, and to work on yourself, and learn from leaders that have come before you, to, to start bringing on new agents and train them and start to create leverage. And pretty soon you have crossed this bridge over into the B quadrant, the business owner quadrant. And, and now you're not trading all your time for money. And what I realized <clears throat> is that the people attracted to these different quadrants are attracted to them based on their values, mm. what they value the most. And when I was broke, I valued security more than anything. And I think most people, yeah, that's at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. So I want to feel secure yeah. and kind of that predictability. And that's great. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody, I think, values security. But then you move into the S quadrant, that self-employed, whether it's plumber, electrician, doctor, lawyer, they're all still trading time for money, just at different levels. Mm-hmm. But they value control. Mm. So you'll hear them say things like, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they want control, That's which is bad. which is great. I, I value control. Sure. You know, I want to control my time and my I want to build a business that I own and that, you know, it's mine. But then I realized uh, I had a conversation with Brian Pope and this guy, mm-hmm. one of the owners, founders of Symmetry. He's an icon in the industry. Yeah, he's he probably is, worth three hundred million dollars from this industry. It's incredible. It is incredible. Gosh, and he man. said he said, if you can hire somebody to do your job at 80% is good, it's worth it. Because then mm. it frees up your time to go do something else. And then you hire somebody else to do 80% is good at that job. And you continue to do that. And and the reason you do that is because of what the, the values that the people who are attracted to the right-hand side of the quadrant, the business owner and investor, they value security. They value control. But you know what they value more than that? Mm. Freedom. Yeah. Freedom. That's what I want more than anything. And I think security, security is great, but if that's all you care about, you can go to prison for that. You got maximum security. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to worry about a thing. You got your light bill paid, your food, you got a bed to sleep on. You don't have to worry about anything. But what you're trading is freedom. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you're giving up one for the other. Mm. And I, and I feel like when you create a business and you have leverage, there's more security than that in anything. Because you're never going to wake up and look yourself in the mirror and say you're fired. Yeah. Like you could at a job. True. And so. That's so good. So that, that's what I just started to. And, and I think it's so important to start thinking like that. You can't end up on the B and the I side of the quadrant, the business owner, in, unless you first start thinking there. Because everything mm. starts with your thoughts. Yep. With the way you're thinking. You know, thoughts lead to actions, lead to results. So you can't change the results without changing the actions, but you can't change your actions for long enough until you change the way you think about money and about business. And uh, so that's, and, and, and I was that's willing bold. to give up on my old ideas. I told Edward Pritchett when I sat down that first interview, mm. I feel like I've got great ideas. I think everybody thinks yeah. they've got great ideas. Yeah. But I realized that at that point in my life, my ideas got me where I was. Mm which was broke and unhappy, almost $300,000 in debt, nothing to show for it. And I said, Edward, I am temporarily going to put my ego aside in my back pocket. I'm going to listen to everything that you tell me to do. That's cool. You coach me, you tell me what to do, and I'm going to do it without question, which is easy to say, but it's really hard to do, especially when your credit card's involved (laughs) (laughs) and buying leads. And and you're already 285K in debt. Exactly. You're like, oh my gosh, dude, I got to go more. But I did decide though, that I have to start listening to other people's ideas who have the lifestyle that I want to start following their footsteps. I love that you mentioned that too, because I feel like one of the things that um, agents struggle with the most is... They're, they're, yes, they're bringing baggage or they're bringing their own ideas or they're bringing experience in car sales and they think it's going to work the same, you know, whatever. Um, you had a, you accepted responsibility and put your ego aside and said, you know what, dude, I don't know it all. What I know got me where I'm at and I 
believe that someone like Edward and, and Brian and Brian and et cetera can actually help me get to a different level, you know, and thinking differently. So how does someone change the way they think? If, if they think it's right, but in reality, it may be wrong. I think the best way is association. You have to start spending time there. And if you don't have the right people in your life to spend time with, I didn't. I didn't have like massively successful people in my life to just spend time with. I did realize there were a lot of people in my life that I was spending 10 hours a week with that I should have been spending 10 minutes a week with. Mm. Because of the negativity. Mm. <laughs> so that's probably the best place to start is to cut out the negativity, the constant feed in my ear of yeah. uh, that you can't do this. And what are you thinking? Are you really going to be a door-to-door salesman? And like all these things that people were saying when I first started in the industry, wow. I had to learn to just temporarily, you know what, they mean well, they love me, I know that, but they don't have the result I'm looking for. So I have to gauge everything. If you want... If you're going to listen and accept everything somebody says, you have to also accept their lifestyle. And that's mm. not what I was willing to do. That's good. So I cut out. I started spending less time with certain people. And then the people I wanted to spend time with was like Tony Robbins and Les Brown and Jim Rohn and T.D. Jakes and people that love T.D. Jakes. Oh, man. Oh, he has such, an, oh, such an impact. Yeah. Oh, man. That dude can speak. Bro. That dude. I, I watched his sermons almost daily for years. And just That's listen so cool. to his message and the way he connects with his audience. and uh, But all these people that I wanted to become like them. I wanted to emulate them. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be me, but I wanted to become... There were things that I just respected about certain mm-hmm. people that I want. I wish I was a little more like that. So, you know, I'm going to spend more time. And I, I heard that you're an average of the five people you spend the most time with. That's what they say. It doesn't have to be all about money. If there's somebody that's a, just an unbelievable husband, then I want to be that. Yeah. Or an unbelievable dad. Yeah, I'm going to pick out people in my life that I'm going to intentionally spend more time with because you know what? By nature, it is just by default, you are going to become more of that. You know, if you look at the five people you spend the most time with and you take, let's just take their bank accounts, for example, and you divide them by five, your bank account probably is a a pretty good average of those five people. Yeah, it's crazy. That's a good, yeah, it's wild. And it's, it's like that with everything in life. And so I think association whether it's, you know, I would wake up every single morning and I'd watch YouTube videos of good, good, positive content. Yeah. Um, in the evening before I go to bed, I do the exact same thing. I'd either read or I'd have an audiobook throughout the day. Mm. If I'm driving, I'm not going to be listening to music that doesn't benefit me or help me. I want to listen to something that, you know, impacts me and that I can pour into somebody else. I started to host conference calls for my team and I didn't have any content. What, yeah. What am I? What am I going to share with my team? I know how to get how to be broke. I, I know, <laughs> like, right. But so I had to start. So a lot of the, what I did to grow to become personally like a better speaker and a better communicator was I just started to fill my mind with these things and started to, to and I'd write stuff down if there was a message that I just man I got to share this with somebody. Mm. I'd document it and I'd start categorizing it and then before a conference call I'd read through. Oh, I'm going to talk about this. And you just do that over time, you know, you just become better and you start to grow and you start to change the way that you think. Mm. You read enough people, enough books on how successful people think, you'll realize, man, the laws of success really are universal. Yeah. And, and, and it is different than what I was taught growing up. And you just have enough of that input. You're not going to get it at a conference by itself. It's a great start. You're going to get yeah. inspired. But you've got to have a way that you're feeding yourself all the time on these on these areas to be able to actually make a change. And I think it's sure. just, it's absolutely necessary. I do too. I do too. I, it's crazy because everything you were talking about too had to do with changing your thinking, being more positive, uh, becoming a better person, developing you, you know, reaching more of your potential. And it had very little to do with like, product knowledge and like understanding underwriting guides and that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, that, those are important things. They're secondary though. Yeah. It's, it's like Limra did a study and for those guys that don't know, Limra is the, probably the largest research company, especially in our industry. And yeah. they researched a million insurance agents who had success and what they had in common. And they listed all their attributes in order. Wow. Wouldn't it be nice to know what attributes are 
make up a successful insurance agent to see if you have them or if you should start growing that area. Totally. You know what the number one most important attribute for a life insurance agent to have success is? Positive? Optimism. It's a positive outlook. Sick. That's awesome. Because you know that when I when I attack this new thing, I've never done this before, you have this hope that I'm going to get better. You always see the positive. That's the number one most important attribute. So if you find yourself negative, it's okay. That's It's a starting point. Yeah. Um, but if you don't change it, you won't, it'll be a, a, a slow bleed out of the business. You're going to, mm. you're going to quit because you're just going to focus on what's not working and why it doesn't work. And you're not going to take ownership. It's the leads. It's the company. It's my mentor. And it's just negative, negative. There's no hope for it getting better. And here's why, because like when I can take ownership, I know I'm in control of that. Mm-hmm. If it's all these outside circumstances, I have no control over it. It might feel good to blame those things. I might feel a little better about myself. It's not sure. me. It's all these other things. But I have no hope to fix it. Mm. So if I say, you know what? I'm looking around. There's all these other agents working the exact same type of leads, the exact same comp plan, the exact same carriers, the exact same products, the exact same training. Everything is, is consistent. The only variable is me. Mm-hmm. When I can do that, and I can say, okay, great. That's great because yeah. I can change that. I can fix that. I just have to get better. Mm. It's a, it's a much, it's, it's not the victim mindset. It's, it's the alternative, you know, it's, yep. it's so good. Um, uh, optimism. That's cool. Yeah. I, I want you guys thinking like, as, as you're listening to, I want you thinking about how optimistic am I like in reality throughout the day or when something goes awry or doesn't go well. Or I get a door on my face or somebody hangs up the phone on me. It's so easy to <laughs> Through do. Through Ninja Dialer. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> it happens. It happens to all of us. Yeah. And it's really easy to get caught up in that. Like when you're $285,000 in debt, you have no way out. And you're struggling. Mm. It's, it, it's, I don't even think it's easy. It's natural to go to that negative place. Oh, yeah. And I think you have to have a method to get out of it. You have to recognize it. Like I got to a point where I would recognize negativity and coming in and you have to protect it. Mm. You have to protect your positive mindset. It is so critical that you protect it. So I would acknowledge, man, I am, I'm feeling like I'm upset. I'm frustrated. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I would turn on some positive music. I'd watch a video. I'd call a friend. I would share with somebody that I could be open with about it Mm -hmm. and not to complain. Yeah. But just to talk through it. Yeah. And you know, Matt was that for me. My twin brother, Matt was, you knew Matt. Absolutely. And, uh, he was that for me. Yeah. We, we leaned on each other for that kind of stuff. Some days I'd be down and he'd be up and other days he'd be down. I'd be up. And yeah. So you got to have that. How important, um, yeah. How important is it to have that, have, have your people, you know, that, you would do anything for that would do anything for you that have your back no matter what that when you're down can lift you up you know i think everybody needs it and maybe you don't have that right now but you that's why you've got to start associating with positive people like mm-hmm. everybody should be part of a company or a business that has a network of people and you can start spending time with sure. those people and, and ideally you find somebody that can be a running buddy somebody that's kind of Either where you're at or a little bit ahead of you even is probably yeah. ideal. Somebody you can chase. Yeah. Not so far ahead of you that's like unrealistic. Yeah, if you're brand new and you're like, hey, here's Edward Pritchett, it's like, yeah. oh. Yeah, you even to... brand new and you're like, ah, oh, I want to be Brad Smith. It's like, yeah. this is going to take, it's been a decade, you know? Yeah, it's it's going to take a little while. Um, it's good to get mentorship from those people. Yeah. But you got to have a running buddy that's kind of closer to where you're at. And you can start, you know, talking with that person, challenging those, that person, and Mm. they can challenge you. And, uh, I think it's really, it helps a lot. Yeah, I do too. You, you seem to research and study, um, and read and watch and and absorb a lot. It seems like you still do that today. I do. And I also, because you're pulling from memory on stuff that, and, and impressing me more than most people do when they're being interviewed in this chair because of like, you take your you take this thing very seriously and you care a lot about it and and you like actually you can tell you actually study this i don't think there's a separation between business and personal yeah <laughs> i don't either i, I love I that don't, i don't i mean sure you throughout the time i can spend time with my wife and it's not business but to me this is one life and i want to max it out 
I, I want to be the best version of me. And this yes. is, to me, your work is your opportunity to kind of showcase to the world who you are and what you're made of. Yeah. Yeah. So I take it seriously. I yeah. do. And, yeah. you know, I also realize the responsibility that we have of impacting people. That's why I love what you're doing. Yeah. You're right. like, you are, you're such a positive uh, force in this business to, to not just one company or one team, but to the industry. And that's, that's my motivation too. I just want to be a, a yes. um, you know, somebody that makes a, an impact mm -hmm. and you have to take it seriously. It's not like you just check out at five o'clock. No, no. Yeah. And, and you, you bring up a really good point. Like you've said this a bunch of times, like, um, pa passionate purpose, you know, impact, help, helping people. Like if you find something that you truly enjoy and you're doing it for the right reasons, dude, you're right, man. M money will come. You know, um, we've both probably got um, cool stuff going on that, that, you know, we just didn't intend on happening. Totally. This soon. Totally. We assumed we would have a great life at one day. Yeah. But like, dude, man, you know, compared to the average 44-year-old, I think it's you said. It's pretty mind-blowing. It's freaking incredible, man. Like, yeah, it's what can so happen. awesome. It is. Yeah. It's so it, awesome. And I, I, I realized that we get paid based off the value that we bring. Mm -hmm. So many people want to get paid and then they're going to bring value. Yeah. Pay it's me just first. not, yeah. Pay me first. That's like, that's like saying I want heat from the fire before I light the match. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, yeah. Light, you gotta light the match. You got to do the work and then you're going to get the heat from Carry it. in some wood. Exactly. It takes a lot of work before you get that, that heat from the fire. And, um, so every opportunity I can, I can find to add value with no expectation a lot of times in how I'm going to get paid for that value. Correct. It, it's just, it works out. Yeah. So, you know, I, I always look for opportunities to add more value to people and sometimes it comes back with a monetary gain and as soon as mm -hmm. it doesn't, and I don't even care. I just, it feels good to make yeah. a difference yeah. no matter how you get compensated. So totally. And you never know where it's going to lead. Yep. You don't doors yep. open up and yep. Yeah. Just go through them in faith. Totally. The appointments I didn't want to go to on a Saturday that oh, where, where I would drive two and a half hours and then they wouldn't be there, but they would show up 15 minutes late will be my biggest sales ever. My best clients, you know, you know what I mean? Like all these things where I just like, yeah, I bet you got some crazy stories of things that you doors you've gone into, literally some crazy <laughs> stories. Well, some that like I would have to like mentally edit out of oh, yeah. telling them too. I'm just like, gosh dang, did she really just run through the living room without any clothes on? Like what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Crazy stories. Yeah, but yeah. Plenty of cockroaches and oh man, kit couches that were pissed on. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. But it's but it's um you're there to help them like i was just on the phone with the, i was on a zoom with a guy right before this and he was like man my very first client ever that i sold life insurance to he said it was like 34 years old successful guy sold him half a million dollars in coverage he passed away six months later from a car accident oh man his wife did not know that he had bought a life insurance policy oh. at all and oh. didn't even know who i was and he had never told her because he forgot oh my goodness and then he shows up at the funeral home with a 500 dollars dollar check and he said, bro, the way she hugged me, you would have thought she was trying to break my arms. He said, I've never been hugged like that since. He's like, and what if I didn't encourage him to do it? And what if I didn't make the call? You know what I mean? Like, it's like I mean, that, that just changes you as a person. Oh, my God. It changes that person, that, that, that client's for generations in a lot of cases. Yeah, and when he showed up to the funeral home, I, I, he's, I'm going to have to eventually him tell this story, by the way. But when he showed up to the funeral home, he walked in and she was talking about how she they had just bought a house and they were gonna she was gonna have to get a job you know what i mean it's just like crazy man that's the power of what yeah. we do though and you don't know you don't know which one which door that you walk in is going to lead to that yeah you also don't know what people are um going through too you know what i mean um you get a chance to meet and help whether they're brand new to the industry or they've been doing it for a minute or where they got a bunch of bad habits and you're like, you know, and, and or maybe they got an ego, whatever, you know, or, or they, or they're, or they're $285,000 in debt and they got $141 in their bank account, I think is what you said. Um, dude, I mean, Pritchett could have been like, eh, I'm sure he was like, this is a, a rough bit. case, bro. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he was, 
but he's definitely an optimist. Oh, That's yeah. for he, dang he sure. He gave me a shot. Yeah. That's cool. Um, as you look back, um, what's been what's been like some of the coolest moments of being able to? Because I really think where this title will end up going, by the way, as I always think about titles when we're shooting interviews, because that's the most important part, is um, I think this can be about how amazing of a career you can have as a life insurance agent. Mm-hmm. I think this interview will actually touch a lot of people that are considering joining the industry, which is cool. Um, what are some, as you look back, like what are some of the things that have came out of this that like you just didn't expect outside of just um, money? Because obviously you make a lot of money and do really well. Yeah, money's the byproduct. It's great. I mean, that's a lot of the reason I came is just for money. But um, the friendships, the relationships that I've... Y'all have some great ones too, man. Unbelievable people that... I mean, that's what life is about. Yeah. Um, I think also just the... I didn't know that I was really capable of making an impact... Sometimes the way that I, and sometimes I, I, over the years, I haven't even realized the impact that I have made on certain people mm-hmm. until years later I hear about it. But one of the things that Matt and I um, were fortunate enough to be able to, to do is speak on stage. And so we would, yeah. you know, we'd create speeches that meant something to us. And like mm-hmm. a lot of our speeches were written to us. Like we were talking to ourselves, like, yeah, like you got to get yourself in gear. And <laughs> yeah. And would y'all get up and deliver them at the same time? Like oh, together? Yeah. Oh yeah. We'd gave a lot of speeches together wow. in front of thousands of people That's so cool. and we'd time it and we'd have everything like, you know, and it was just, it was something that was kind of ours. Yeah. And that was really cool. Like looking back, you know, cool. he, he passed away two years ago, COVID. And uh, looking back at some of the best memories I have of, you know, that adrenaline, you got the butterflies before you go on stage. And I'm not a, I've never been a speaker before, but yeah, uh, I hear them like, you know, the, you see the lights behind the stage and they're all mic'd up and you got the butterflies and you walk out and it's just like, oh my goodness, how it's, did I get here? It's like a rush. Like a few years ago, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And now I'm pouring into thousands of people mm-hmm. and it's just like this moment of man you really can do a lot with life you don't have to cut yourself short you can just if you're willing to get out of your comfort zone you know anything to me that's been beneficial and worthwhile i had to get out of my comfort zone to do it yeah so yeah i think back to like the speech i gave a couple a couple conferences ago at symmetry they asked me to close down the event Mm. and you know with like five thousand people there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I mean, they got like some hired guest speakers and big time. Good too. Yeah. Really yeah, good yeah. speakers. They all have a great conference. Yeah. 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 And it was nine months after he had passed away. Wow. And I didn't know if I could deliver it. I, I wrote it all out and I, I practiced it. And every time I would just be bawling, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Even, even 30 minutes beforehand, I'm rehearsing it behind stage and I can't mm. get myself together. And it was about legacy. Hmm. And, you know, 40, 43 years old, um, maybe 42 years old when I gave that a year and a half ago, I thought, they asked me, can you talk about legacy? And I'm like, what do I know about legacy? I'm 42 years old. I don't have a whole lot of life experience. <laughs> I could talk about success and I could talk about struggle. And, and uh, but I realized just the experience I saw of Matt passing away and watching how life insurance affected his wife and his kids. He had a two-year-old and a five-year-old. And, uh, you know, what the, not just the money, but also building a business in this industry, what it, mm-hmm. what it did for his wife, the, the peace that it gave, the certainty, it's not going to bring him back, but man, it made things a lot easier. It made things a lot more certain. Yes. And I realized that, you know, we go through life caring about what everyone thinks about us. And a lot of times, like, I almost didn't do this industry because I didn't want people to think bad of me. Oh, he's a life insurance agent. Hmm. you know, and he's going to be put in the same category as the MLMers. <laughs> like yeah. that was what I thought. And I almost didn't do it because of what people would think about me. And, and then I, I read an article that said that the average person will live their entire life caring about what other people think to only have 12 people showed up at their funeral, their whole life, all the mm. relationships, 12 people will show up at your funeral. And the amount of people who will watch you be buried in the ground will be dependent on the weather. If it's rainy, half those people won't even watch you be put into the ground. You're right. 
And I thought, and then Matt on the flip side, Matt spends his time in this business and he made a big impact in this company, I think in the industry. Big time. That dude impacted so many people. It's so cool. And he had a thousand people show up. Wow. A thousand people. And I just thought, man, more than 12 legacy is not what I thought it was. Mm. Is that what you learned through that journey? hundred percent. I thought legacy was about what you leave for people, but it's really about what you leave in people. Yeah. And that's, that's how you treat people every day. That's how, how your conversations your one-on-ones. How do you, how do you leave people? Mm. That's how they're going to remember. How did you make them feel? Not what did you say? Not, not what did you train them? Not what scripts, not what policies. How did you make them feel? That's what people That's remember. Good. That's culture. And that, that, that really, um, you know, yeah, the experience of losing Matt and all that has just, it's really changed my perspective about life. Yeah. Man. Crazy. It is. Yeah. yeah. It so is. Th- those are some of the experiences I'd never, you know, going back to your, that original question, yeah. I never thought when I started to sell insurance, <laughs> exactly <laughs> that, uh, that it could go down that path. Yeah. But it can, if you're willing to get out of your comfort zone and you're willing to try new things and, mm-hmm. um, really life can take you down a journey that you never thought possible. I think it's Bill Gates that says people overestimate what they can do in one year, but they underestimate what they can do in 10. So true. And that's exactly what I found. It's just so being true. consistent. Yep. And not, not giving up in a few days, a few weeks, a month or a year, you know? Yeah. Um, speaking of that, there's, um, about 92% of insurance agents fell in their first three years. Crazy statistic. We have 8% nation because of that. Um, I love that. Thanks buddy. Uh, what advice would you give for the agent that is, or the person that's considering the industry or is new to it, or is just in a place in their career there that they're, um, struggling in general, like what advice would you give to those people right now? I'll give you a few and I'll give you some advice that I was given. Like it was pivotal, pivotal advice for me at, mm. the, at that point when I was looking at this industry. Uh, I would say Brian Pope, again, worth about 300 million probably said, make a commitment, a time commitment, regardless of the result, mm. put in everything you've got for a certain amount of time. Such good advice. I don't think people say it like that. That's freaking gold. And at first I said, okay, I'm going to give this six months. And then he said, I'd give it a year. It was like mid sentence. I'm thinking six months. He said, I'd give it a year. Like, (laughs) all right, this guy's got 300 million. I'm broke. (laughs) I'm going to give it a year. Give it a year. (laughs) And just put your head down and hard work and don't, don't question everything just because you have a policy cancel or, you know, all the struggles you go through, you have a recruit that quits. You gave it a year, no matter what the result was, you gave it a year, you committed Mm. to the activity for a year. So that's, that's an important thing. But when I, when I first, I got a crazy story. Please. So my father-in-law's a farmer and we live now. We, we bought the house my wife grew up in. He's got about 400 acres. He's oh, got oh, cattle. Wow. And so we, we've got a great view. It's way out in the middle of nowhere. We've got, this town has way more cows than people, but that's <laughs> out in the country. I love but I had a lot of respect for him because he's the kind of guy that didn't go to college. I yeah. think he graduated high school, but I'm not even positive about that. Yeah. But he's a multimillionaire, worth probably five or six million dollars, doesn't owe a penny to, to anyone, just acquired land over the years. And, and so I, I went to him for advice, life advice, business advice. And I'm looking at, you know, my business had closed. I'm looking at the insurance industry. And he said, hey, come play poker with my friends. Mm. We sit around the table, there's five of us, me, my father-in-law, three other people that are his friends, and they're wearing like John Deere hats and plaid shirts, dirty boots. And I'm thinking they don't have, they're folded when the pot gets to $5. Like they don't have any money. They're super nice guys. But at the end of the poker game, they all leave. And he said, would you believe that outside of you, I was the poorest person at that table? Mm. And I was like, what? There's no way. What do they do? And he said, the guy to the left of me is worth about 10 to 12 million. He retired from Texas and built his wealth in the oil business. The guy to the left of him, he's a farmer. He's got about 6,000 acres, 6,000 head of cattle. He's worth 25 to $30 million. The guy to the left of him just sold his car lots for $200 million. Still owns the real estate and he leases it back to the new buyer. Oh my gosh. 
And I was like, what? He said, you know what they all have in common? They all found something that was worth getting good at, and they spent a career becoming a professional. Mm. You need to find something that's worth getting good at. There's things in my life that I got good at that were not worth getting good at. Yeah. Video games and <laughs> different things that I got really good at. Yeah. And he said, you need to find something that's worth getting good at and spend enough time to become a professional. Mm. And I was like, man, I don't want to be that opportunity jumper, that guy that has, uh, you know, flashy object syndrome, going to the next flashy thing. Yeah. And I just, I, I, I really looked at the industry and I looked at what lifestyle does this lead to? That's an important question that we're never asked when we look at like a career fair with college. Like, True. like you look at what they do, but what, what is the lifestyle? And, and do I want that? Mm. That's why I decided not to go into medicine. I wasn't very smart, but I probably could have made it. The biggest reason sure. I decided not to is because I never saw my dad. Mm. Like you he worked, he got earlier. called at two in the morning and had to go do surgeries and, and Jeez. yeah. So I wanted a lifestyle to be able to spend time with my kids and my wife and, and do whatever I wanted to do whenever I wanted to do it. Yeah. You know, and not always have to filter everything with, can I afford it? Mm. So that was, you know, as far as a lesson, you got to find that if this is it for you, if, if, if this career, if you see that there's enough people, there's enough evidence that this can lead to the result that I want to for my life and my family. Yeah. Then you got to make a decision. I'm gonna. I'm willing to give this enough time mm. to get good at it. Because what else? What, what's what else? If this isn't it, what, what's the next thing? Because yeah. you're gonna have to spend time getting good at something, no matter what it is. I don't care if it's spinning, flipping pizzas. I don't care. It's gonna take time to become a professional at anything. Yeah. And so I just decided this is the career path that I'm gonna pick, and I'm gonna go all in on it. And that's, that. that's the best advice I can give. I love that. Such good advice, man. Just to recap a little bit. Time commitment. G give it a time commitment. I love that. Like, it's crazy because we, um, we'll, we'll play, like, did you play sports growing up? Intramurals and stuff. Not like, okay. yeah, not like you did. Well, yeah. So, so playing basketball, you know, like I'll play basketball from, I don't know. We'll use baseball because I started playing baseball when I was like three. Play baseball from three to, you know, play 15 years of baseball, whatever. But I, but I won't give a career 15 months, you know, 15 exactly. days sometimes. <laughs> exactly. It's insane. Whether it's sports. I mean, man, we can earn doctor level income in 90 days. Yeah. You get a license. I have had agents personal direct to me that I've helped coach that have put a hundred grand in their first four months in the business. Nate Offer. 50,000 is first two months in the business. Like you can make doctor level income mm -hmm. in 90 days of getting an insurance license. It takes 20 hours to get an insurance license. Yeah. My dad had to go to college for four years, medical school for, for four years, five years of residency, 13 years of an education and hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt to make doctor level income. He was willing to give it 13 years and all this debt. But some people come in here and they're not willing to spend 40 or 50 hours watching a video mm -hmm. to teach them how to run a phone script. 50 hours. Like I watched a, an hour long presentation video on how to present mortgage protection or final expense. Yep. And I watched it over and over and over and over and over 50 hours in a month. And mm. I'm a pro. Now I can do it in my sleep. Mm. Now I can go out and make doctor level income, but they won't invest that time they True. won't rehearse it. They won't practice it. They don't treat it like a profession. They treat it like a hobby. And coincidentally, it pays like a hobby. Yeah. And most hobbies cost money. They don't make money. Correct. So yes, 100%. You've got to be willing to invest the money like a professional. Yeah. And the time. So good. Yeah. Kevin O'Leary says if it's you're not making money after three years, it's, it's a hobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I love this story is your grandpa, right? You said f find something worth getting good at. Yeah. You know, that's, that's huge. Uh, and then going all in, like how often have we really went all in on something, you know? It's, and it's a decision. Yeah. It's a decision. I thought I had made a decision. This is why your event and events in general are so important. Big decisions are made at big events. Yes. I first heard your buddy Edward Pritchett say that to me. 
And that stuck. It's, I don't know if he got it from you or he said it and you got it from him, but that or something, Brian Poe, who knows? But that was a powerful phrase to me. It's a fact. Like you can't, just because you see a Zoom call or a podcast, like that you want to make that decision. Like, oh, I want to make that decision so bad. Yeah. That's not making a decision. I thought I'd already made the decision True. before I went to my very first event. And I had been to events before. There's probably here people on here watching. I've been to events before. I got to mm-hmm. make money. I need to spend my money on leads and spend that week in the field instead of going to an 8% Nation event or a Symmetry Conference or whatever it is. Right. And you can fool yourself. That's poor thinking. That's not what the person who has the lifestyle that you're looking for would say. Mm. And I know this because I almost made that decision that I'm not going to go. And then Casey Watkins, the owner of Symmetry, called me a few months into the business. Sure. And he asked me such a good question. The way he worded it was so important. He didn't say, are you going to conference? He said, mm. how many people do you have coming with you? Mm. And I couldn't tell him I don't have anyone. I'm not even going myself. So I don't know where this number came from, but I just said five. <laughs> you made it up. I love it. But guess what? I had five people there. I figured out a way. Oh, that's so good. And, and it wasn't like this special thing that somebody said on stage that said, oh, I'm making my decision. Yeah. I was in the back of the room after the event. I had already watched people paraded across stage who were making $30,000, $40,000 a month. People that mm. I thought, man, if they can do it, I can do it. I've got a similar background. They've got struggles, and I, the same struggles I have. And I've sort of already seen that. I've already gone through some training that I was able to implement that very next week and put an extra $1,000 a week in my pocket, mm. more than made up for the expense of the event. But it was, it was after the event for me that that decision was made. It was at the after party. I saw everyone having fun celebrating these are like man these are like me these guys are just like me and they're having fun and they're they're making money and it's a lifestyle and and i thought to myself and i said this to matt Mm. i said i feel like we've never gone all in on anything wow like we've never really seen what we're made of i don't want to get to a point in my life that i look back and think i should have given it more i wonder what could have happened yeah woulda coulda shoulda but i didn't that's not what i wanted my story to look like and i felt like time the clock was ticking i was getting older amen you know and and so i said i think we should go all in i think we could be up there too i think we could be on stage i think not because i wanted to be on stage to speak but because sure. of what it meant correct like we did the work and we yes. we had the lifestyle now i think we can do it and it was Coincidentally, Jimmy Spieldinner, who's no longer with us either, mm. he built a big business here in this industry. But Jimmy was on my left and Matt was on my right. And Jimmy looked it over, over at Matt and I said, so you boys going to do this? And I looked at Matt and we both said, yeah, we're going all in. We're going to give it everything we got. And it was a decision. And you have. We have. And a decision, like, so a lot of people don't even know what that means. Like, an, an incision, you know, means to cut into. Mm-hmm. A decision means to cut off. You cut off all other options. There's no back door. There's no second option. Yeah, no plan B. No plan B. This is it. It's actually very freeing. Like you feel like yeah. you're gonna be trapped. It is so freeing when you can, when you can uh, cut off any other option. You're just like full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm giving this a year. I'm giving it everything I've got. I'm going all in. I'm gonna see what I'm made of because I don't want to live with regret. Yeah. You know. Uh, I remember my business coach asked me. A few years ago, he said, he asked me two questions. He said, what, what's the vision you have for your life? I was like, oh, that's easy. I, I want to become successful. And I had this image of my grandpa. I wanted to be like him. I, I wanted to make an impact and, you know, make a difference in people's lives. But I also wanted to make a lot of money and have a nice house and nice cars and vacations. Mm. And, you know, this image of the family, like that's my vision for my life. And he said, so what's your greatest fear? I was like, oh, man. I guess to never accomplish those things, to never have the house and the cars and the vacations. And I thought, actually, that's not my greatest fear. My greatest fear is that eventually enough time passes that I'm old enough that I realize that I'm not the person I thought I was this whole life. Same. This whole life, this person that I thought I was, that I was working on becoming is never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's because I was a coward. Mm-hmm. I was afraid of what other people think, afraid to go all in, afraid of the work ethic, afraid of the commitment, yes. afraid of the unknown, that people will choose the, the known hell over the unknown heaven. Mm. And I just said, 
powerful. Enough. I'm. I, I told Matt. I'm. Re- I'm ready to go all in on something, and this feels safe to me. Like I feel like I can trust these people, and I, I've got enough. It's like six months in at that point. Yeah. And uh, man, the power of a decision. It's just like it's Tony great. Robbins talks, but we always think that it takes a lifetime for big things to happen. Mm-hmm. It's it think big things can happen in an instant when a decision's made. Yeah. It's yeah. just a matter of time after that. Absolutely. Gosh, that's so good and powerful. When you said, uh, what is your deep, biggest fear? I thought about the movie Coach Carter. He's like, what is your deepest fear, young man? You know, <laughs> and he always keeps asking them. They're like, why is he asking us this? You know, it's good. It's good. And you know what? I can relate to your answer because that, that is entirely me. My biggest fear is I will look back when I'm, I'm 33, when I'm 73, and I'll be like, what did you actually accomplish? Who did you actually help? What did you actually do? You know, and I'll be like, Gosh, I don't want. I don't. I don't want to be asking myself those questions. I don't either. It's a <laughs> terrible good. thought. It's a terrible <laughs> thought. Yeah, and and it, and it fuels me for sure. For sure. It, see, here's the thing: like everything comes down to perspective. Every obstacle that we have, sometimes we're just too close to the obstacle. Mm. Like you can't get enough leads, or you're door knocking and you, you're not getting in front of people. I had I had weeks that I had 10, 12, 15 appointments, and either they all no showed or I just had a goose egg. It didn't write anything. Mm. Sometimes for several weeks, uh, th- there's just lots of struggle in this business. And uh, who likes dialing the phones? Who likes calling leads? No one likes that. Nobody. Yeah. And I used to consult my emotions before doing the activity. I'd ask myself, do you feel like doing it? And of course <laughs> the answer is no, <laughs> I'd rather go do this. And <laughs> yeah. But it's all about perspective. Would I rather call leads or let my family down? Mm. Would I rather recruit and build a business and put in the time and the effort and the hard work or look back on my life and, and have the regret of never trying? And so I'd always like all the things I didn't want to do, I would always try to give myself another perspective. And it was always so much worse of an alternative. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like, uh, like I say, sometimes we're just too close to the obstacle that we're dealing with in front of us. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you're in front of a six foot fence. And you're like this close. You can't see on the other side. But that same fence, when you take off on an airplane, you know how things get smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. You're at a 30,000 foot view. You can hardly even see the fence. Mm-hmm. It's the same obstacle, but your perspective's different. And you can see on the other side. And sometimes we just have to kind of almost remove ourselves from our circumstances and look at, look at our perspective from yeah. another person. Like if somebody that was massively wealthy was in the exact same shoes as me or somebody that had been successful, maybe lost it all, but now they're in the same situation, they could rebound in an instant. Yes. Like, like a, a billionaire could, you could take everything away and they could rebuild it, you know, in a short period of time. Same obstacles that you have. Yeah. Same amount of time in the day, but perspective's different. So I, I always try to, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm human. I, I get discouraged and I... You know, sometimes can't totally. see a way out, but I always try to give myself that elevated perspective to, to realize that my, my obstacles aren't really as big as I think they are. Yeah. We magnify our problems. We make them out to be scarier and bigger than they are. Yeah. And, uh, True. you know, we do, man, what an interview, dude. This has been incredible, bro. I could literally sit here and talk to you for like 10 hours. <laughs> It's, I could do the same thing. Like, no joke. Like, the, you, you are one of the best interviews I've ever had, man. Like, and you, you guys, if you guys agree, I'd love to give you give some love and in, in, in comments below um, for Brad. Dude, it's an hour and three minutes. And no way. Feel like it. No way. Whoa. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> uh, if they want to learn more, reach out, et cetera. Uh, what should they do? Uh, a couple different websites. One is agenttraining.info. That's my agent's website for learning how to do the business. You can get a lot of content there without joining my agency or anything like that. That's There's a lot great. of good training there. Um, my personal contacts in, is on there too, agenttrain.info. And then uh, maybe in another interview, we can talk about our Ninja platform that Matt really spent a lot of time in, but yes. um, uh, app.ninjadialer.com. Some really cool things that we're doing there. Game-changing uh, for the industry that I'm super excited about. So that's cool, yeah. man. I can see you light up when you talk about that. And, and yeah, we talked about that a little bit before. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Get to continue that legacy of what y'all built. It's awesome. Absolutely. It's my biggest yeah. passion right now. It's really cool. 
Well, I appreciate you pouring into our audience, showing up, driving a few hours to spend some time together. We're going to grab some lunch. Absolutely. Uh, but dude, I appreciate you being on the Power Player Podcast. Anytime. Thank Thanks you, for sir. having me. You got it, buddy. Okay. Thank you guys for hanging out and listening to us. Man, what a freaking episode. I would love for you to do a few things. Okay. Number one, if you enjoyed this, let us know below. Okay. And what was your favorite moment from this whole thing? Like I've got a couple pages of freaking gold, valuable nuggets. Hopefully you do the same. Um, and then the second thing is... I want you to think about one other person that needs to hear this optimism, association, um, advice, time commitment, go all in message that we're sharing today. There's somebody you know that is either in the business or outside the business that could be in it or that just needs some uplifting. Um, share that with them today and, and let Brad speak in to their life. Um, either way, we appreciate you hanging out with us and listening to us. Go to agenttraining.info to check out more about what Brad is doing we appreciate you hanging out and listening. What a phenomenal freaking episode. And we'll see you on the next one. Adios. Hey, if you enjoyed this, I got another one you're gonna love. It's right there, click on it, see you in there. I'm so excited for today's CA Power Player Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Askins. We got a special guest. He is back on the channel talking about how to sell life insurance from home. Here's what I, well, here's what I love about this person. Okay, I'm telling you, this will be the, one of the best.